Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft. We have both encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to episode six, where we're going to talk about 3D CAD with Chris Salamoni. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Steven, as always. It's a Saturday morning and it's been a rushed week. We're making it though. So Chris, I know you've done this probably a thousand times, but why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself? Okay, I'll give you the, the quick Cliff Notes version. So... Basically, I grew up not making things and not around making things. It was something that was never really on my radar until I turned 30. And actually, the way that I first got into it was I found SketchUp, of all things, just started kind of drawing things that eventually gave way to drawing furniture, wondered, hey, I wonder if I could make this stuff in real life. So I found a class at a local community college, went and got some hands-on experience actually like using tools. Um, built one of the things that I had designed and it wasn't like perfect, but it came out good enough, just good enough to like get me hooked and to be like, Oh wow. Like this is crazy to see something that was in my head become an actual object. So like from there I was basically hooked. Like I said, turned my garage into a workshop, uh, started making things for like another year, started selling things, did that for about four years and got kind of bored with it and had been watching a lot of YouTube in that, during that time and had always kind of wanted to start a YouTube channel. So then about two and a half years ago, decided, okay, I'm just going to finish up all the orders that I have, not take anymore, and just try my hand at the whole YouTube thing. And here we are now, two and a half years after that. It's impressive where you built it in that short amount of time. It yes. sounds a lot shorter when I described it like that. <laughs> that was that was like seven years rolled up into 45 seconds or whatever. You made it sound like it was yesterday. Yeah. So yesterday I found this thing called SketchUp, and today here I am on this podcast. And today I'm the fastest person I know at modeling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. With 3D CAD, so Stephen, I know kind of your experience, but why don't you tell everybody else your experience with CAD? All right, so my experience with CAD was from an engineering sort of architectural design uh, background. Um, I had used CAD in high school along with uh, Adobe way back when. This was early 2000s. Um, just because I was really big into computers then, uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but I kind of fell out of touch with it. But I mostly used CAD to, to make the 2D and then would use a program called Rhino to import 2D into 3D files, and that's when everything just fell apart. I was horrible at it. And I'm glad I didn't have to move forward with it any more than that. So that's been 13 years since I've done that. You know, it's funny. So I don't know a lot about Rhino, but Rhino must be like the 2D to 3D translator or something. Because I've done some projects where I've needed to take, for example, like a SketchUp file into Illustrator. And I had to do it through Rhino as like the intermediary. 
uh, intermediary for some reason. Is Rhino the one that has like your top, front, and side view and display at the same time? Yeah, where you can have like different windows. I think I tried to use that once or twice and just could not handle it. (laughs) I was like, nope, I'm done. I don't know. It was the only thing that my little university had like for, because I was sort of an engineering track, but I was not an ME uh, or uh, an electrical engineer, which were the two main engineering focuses in our university. Um, So that's what they had used. And that was, I mean, it probably was not even that fancy at the time, but I mean, that's what they had available. So that's what we had to use. I really, I mean, I can't remember what it even looks like at this point, other than I was horrible at it. So what was the program that you were using when you first started, like with, you know, whatever you were learning in school or whatever? It was, it was just, a, it was just a, um, an AutoCAD. I, I don't okay. even know what version it was back then, but they didn't even have the 3D capability then. It was literally just 2D line drawings. Okay. Well, Chris, I think we all know yours is SketchUp for the most it part. Is. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if you learn it why not it is free yeah i mean so it's funny like i i know in our podcast it kind of happens there's like kind of a a jokey element of it where ben will like kind of you know razz me about like you need to get on something new and like learn fusion <laughs> or whatever um and I, yeah so i feel like in a way i've kind of become like the unofficial spokesman for sketchup but the thing that I always say is like, so like Ben would make a point like, oh, SketchUp's like becoming obsolete or whatever. But to me, that's like saying that a pen and paper are becoming obsolete. Because for me, that's kind of the main purpose of SketchUp is for me to get my ideas. Like, you know, when I have that initial idea and I want to refine it and get it into a product that I'm actually going to build, that's the main thing that I use SketchUp for. It's basically a stand-in for a pen and paper because it helps me work a lot quicker and go through my ideas a lot quicker. And I think that I'm biased, obviously, since it's the one that I've used the most and it's the one that I do use, but it has a much more intuitive kind of drawing feel to it that other programs that I've used don't have that feel just a lot more like technical and sterile. After using SketchUp a little bit, it does have that, you can kind of just click the pen and make whatever you want and you don't have to set up a sketch or set up a certain way of doing it Mm -hmm. and i understand that but coming from so i started on katia v5 which is used in you know aerospace and automotive Mm -hmm. so it's the extreme technical side of it most likely and i had 10 years of experience in that before i ever touched sketchup so Mm -hmm. at the at the point I started SketchUp, I, it just infuriated me because I couldn't do the things I was used to being able to do. Right. So I, I was used to setting up the sketches and whatever. And, you know, going through the normal motions of that. And I was used to being able to make one change in the whole model updates. And that, I can't do that in SketchUp. So I mm-hmm. think it depends on where you come from, too, as to what your background is and what you're comfortable with. Right, yeah, I think, like, whatever you start with is going to set your frame of mind. So, like, for me, if SketchUp is, like, drawing, then, like, the times that I've used Fusion 360 feels like describing to my wife how to draw something. Like, it feels like instead of me just, like, drawing a dresser out, it'd be if she had to sit there and actually draw it and I had to tell her, okay, now 
uh, draw a line going up and then okay now now make it go out the other way to the left like uh, 33 inches whereas like it's so much easier for me to just like give me that paper and pen and I'll draw it that's what, <laughs> that's what it feels like you got a point <laughs> they, when I when I was using SketchUp and I was trying to draw something because I had done it this other way for so long mm-hmm. I got to SketchUp and I was like what in the world I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> Yeah, it's probably one of those things. I mean, like, like I, I mean, I have not given Fusion 360 a fair shake. And I think that where its power lies is probably how it relates to digital fabrication. So if you're going in with the purpose of, I'm going to be sending this to a CNC router or to a laser engraver or whatever, Fusion 360 maybe makes more sense. Because it's, I don't know, it's more, it, it was made in a time where, like the person using it is more likely to do that. I don't even know if that's true. But for me, like I said before, like most of the stuff that I build is still going to be hand-built things. And so I'm really using the tool as a way to work through my design and then come up with basically a drawing that I can just kind of reference as I'm out in the shop building it just so that like I know what the rough dimensions and angles and all those things should be. So like, I don't know, man. It'd be You know it would be cool? It'd be cool to see like, the best, uh, maybe not the best, but a very like average uh, Fusion 360 user and a very average SketchUp user both build like the same kind of like woodworking project or something like, and, and just see them like come together at the same time. Like how is the, the way that they work through it? Like, is it a natural way that relates to how somebody would build something? How fast does it come together? It'd be interesting to see all those things. And actually would probably help to learn a lot more about the other one because I understand a lot about the way that something comes together in SketchUp. But then if I saw that parallel in Fusion 360, it'd probably help to like kind of connect some dots or bridge some gaps that might be missing if you're so used to one and you don't really, and, and you're trying to look at the other one through that same lens. It kind of sounds like we need a challenge now. Here we go. <laughs> Model this simple dresser. I'm going to send you something in Fusion, and <laughs> you'll just have to make it. Okay. <laughs> Super straight lines, please. Yeah, yeah let, me, let me get right on that. Yeah. That's one thing is coming from the technical, you know, mechanical engineering stand on my mm-hmm. side. It's Most of my stuff is very, you know, it has to be. 45 degrees or some normal thing and yours is more i would say on the artistic side where you're kind of playing with that aspect yeah but that that said i still stick with very like even when i'm designing something i'll tend to go in like five degree increments to dial in where i like it so that everything still is like you know fairly simple because i know like i'm gonna have to set this up on a on you know my miter gauge or something at some point so i prefer to do things that are in like nice even numbers that are kind of easy the only part where it starts getting weird is then when you have like something that's at a 15 degree angle but then also tapers from one inch to three inches at the top like a leg or something then you end up with like that inside angle of being like you know 15.2 degrees or what it ends up being some weird measurement i think you should just make something that's completely random angles just all arbitrary. Exactly. So what you're going to want to do, set your miter gauge to 23.792. 
stretch this out the significant digits. <laughs> this is why I'm a hand tool guy. I mean, I can I can make a taper with a hand plane super quick. I don't even have to worry about the angle. I just know the angle on both ends. Boom, right. and then I just taper down to it. Super yeah. super simple. So, are you strictly you're strictly a hand tool guy, or like Not what's kind of your workflow? I I'm hybrid, but I'm I lean more towards more towards uh, hand tools. Like, okay. you know, you're, you're kind of saying, you know, SketchUp, you know, a lot of people use SketchUp that don't have that engineering background or don't have that straight to machine input background. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of me. That's where I could see SketchUp working for me because I don't need to, you know, I don't need to have a tool path or anything like that. I can basically just go, all right, I want it to look like this. How do I take this piece of wood and make it look like that? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm selling them on it. I'm selling them on SketchUp, baby. We got another convert. Okay. We need yeah. to start switching to Fusion now. <laughs> so let me ask you this then. Uh, what would be your workflow for kind of like a co- you're going to, you want to do a coffee table. Where do you start? Do you kind of like rough out an idea on pen and paper or do you just like go out there and start building? It really, it really just depends. I mean, personally, if I'm going to build something just out of my head, I just build it out of my head. I go, all right, it needs to be, you know, this height and this length and stuff like that to, to kind of have the right, um, I guess, have the right perspective. But other than that, it's like, well, I'll just figure it out as it comes to me. That would be interesting. Like, I've never tried building something like that. It'd be kind of interesting just to do it, just to see, like, what came out. Like, if it would just come out, like, would it just be a bad version of what I normally do? Where, like, oh, yeah, like, it kind of was the same look, but your proportions were wrong because, like, you didn't have a good game plan going in? Or would it just, like, be some crazy thing that came out because I was improvising as I went? I feel like mine would end up like one of those Pinterest nailed it things. Yeah. Where where I have the picture of yours on the left and then mine's like this pile of scraps on the right. I have a feeling that's what mine might be too. (laughs) But it would be interesting to see. See, you're getting challenges out of this now. Yeah. Next YouTube video. You're just going to have to do a challenge where you, you just picture it in your head and you don't do anything and you just go out there and build it the the no cad challenge do it well no no no. we need to do we need to have a no cad challenge and a just a hand, a hand tools only challenge and i think steven needs the needs to use cad challenge yeah he just <laughs> models a pile of scrap it just looks like one just all a, right here we go sometimes made, that's I, art i made it's a, a perfect of... cube oh man it is it is a perfect cube done oh it's a good challenges it's all gold. <laughs> Write it down. There we go. Put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. Well, and, and kind of speaking on the fusion side, because you you brought up the whole CNC and the the laser part of it, mm-hmm. and that's I guess primarily why I use fusion is because for one, it's more like what I'm used to using, where it mm-hmm. has the same setup. You do sketches and then you make different uh, operations and it's kind of order based and you can what i found is if you want to like do a drawing of your plans and you do it or you want to do it step by step i can just deactivate something and it's like you know back a step and then sketchup i always had to delete or redraw or do whatever to get rid of say like a a dado cut or whatever Okay, I see what you're saying. So in Fusion, I can just go in and say, okay, go back a step and deactivate it. And then as soon as I get that that 
you know, step for the plan, I can go and reactivate it and it's right back. And okay. I don't have to do any rework. And then I can set it up for... I know Fusion has a third-party plugin or something like that where you can take it and slice it up into layers and prep it for a laser. So then you can see what it would look like. So you know those, like, you know, human heads that are kind of layered pieces of wood? Yeah. That's what it does. So okay. it'll do that kind of, like, grid pattern where it puts it together and kind of tells you how many pieces you need and what each layer is going to look like. And then it'll put it into a drawing so you can go cut it on any machine. I think I've seen, I don't know if it was that or something similar, but it was, a, I saw a video of a guy working in Fusion where he was making like, um, basically like, so you modeled a coffee table, right? And just say you just modeled like some random shape and then you would slice it up and it would do it. But then there was like different ways where you could slice it up. Yeah, you could say yeah. like slice it horizontally or at an angle and like it would pretty much like auto generate these really fancy looking CNC pieces of furniture. That's that's what this does. And I think it's yeah. called Slicer. I think it used to be called 123D Make, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you can control if it's a vertical slice, if it's a horizontal. You might even be able to control if it's like some weird angle. I haven't Yeah, checked. this one, he had it at like weird angles that it was doing where it would basically create like an angled lattice work of... So it'd be like you'd... It would like auto-generate almost like a flat pack piece of furniture for you. Where it would be like, okay, here's how you're going to like, it would cut like the little, you know, dog bones and everything into the, into the actual pieces so that they could come together. It was pretty crazy. It was like, oh, whoop, there's a robot designing something now. Can you do that in SketchUp? <laughs> you cannot. Uh, so That I know of. Maybe, maybe you can, who knows. I know one of the biggest concerns people have that have never used CAD or didn't have it in school or whatever it might be is that it's intimidating and complicated to get started. And Mm -hmm. I I think that depends on your mindset, kind of. But did that ever occur to you when you were starting this? Uh, I mean, again, not to toot the SketchUp horn too hard, but I found it fairly intuitive to, to use. It was the kind of thing where... Like I always tell people, if you're just starting, just go watch like a beginner video that'll teach you how to navigate the space because that's probably the most tricky thing at first is just like, how do I rotate around this object and all that? But you know, you can learn that in like a 10 minute video, you can get those basics down and then just kind of start drawing stuff and then start looking at specifics like, oh, how do I do this thing? Go look for a specific that teaches you how to do that thing. If you want to like sit there and go through a, a four hour tutorial, you'll learn a ton, but you're going to also learn a ton that you might not use because it's just like any program where, you know, any individual user is probably going to only use like 10% of the functionality that that piece of software is capable of. Um, It's just a matter of like, which 10% do you use compared to somebody else? So that was the way that I learned it. Um, When I tried to do Fusion 360, I went through like one tutorial and I completed the project and it, it was a little trickier for me, but like it was still doable. I mean, that's one of the good things, especially with, I'm sure with pretty much any software out there, but like Fusion 360, they seem like they're really trying to make it a successful thing. So there are a lot of like resources out there. And I think even anybody can get like an initial free version of it. I'm pretty sure like any student I think has access to it. So they're really trying to make it like a ubiquitous thing 
or, you know, get it to that point. And SketchUp is kind of the same where you can get it for free. Now they have a browser-based version of it that anybody can use. Um, and there's so many resources out there that, I mean, there is a learning curve, obviously, but I, I think it's something that anybody can tackle as long as they just have like a little bit of patience and they're willing to kind of push through that initial wall. And Steven, I, what about you? Because you, you don't use CAD, so... No, I mean, my job, I don't use it, but I mean, we have it at our office because our um, our well drilling that we do, uh, we have to have, you know, we have to have 3D reference points um, and also use it, you know, with, uh, with the GIS system. Um, so that way we can look and see exactly what the, the soil profile is from the side. Uh, so we, we have it, it is available from, you know, from my company and we'll have, you know, the full professional version, but I just, I don't use it. And a lot of the stuff that I do is, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I build just doesn't really seem like it's applicable for fusion or sometimes even SketchUp really, because like I said, I, you know, I don't really have plans ahead of time other than rough dimensions, unless I have a client that specifically tells me they want X thing. So that's just, it's just where I'm at right now. Right. I think you're trying to convert him to a SketchUp person now, Chris. It's happening, man. I can feel it. <laughs> I think you have a good chance. <laughs> what if I told you it was free? It is browser-based, so that yeah. is nice. Yeah. It is. Use it on a yeah. Chromebook. So I actually... Do what? You can, you said Chromebook? <laughs> yeah, you can use it on a Chromebook. You know, because they're based off of, like, mobile opera. Or, so you, I guess you could... I haven't tried it, but I'm pretty sure you could use it on, like, an iPad and stuff, too, since it's the browser-based one. Yeah. I've never tried. Yeah, I've never tried either. The thing that I noticed, and this is just kind of more of an aside about SketchUp, is that it's, it's from Trimble. So it's not yep. some, like, weird outside third party that just came up with this software. I mean, Trimble, that's their... That's like their primary thing is they make, you know, surveying equipment. They make, you know, laser reference equipment. They do a lot of this stuff that it's all, it's all grid point based. It's all XYZ based. So they definitely know what they're doing for sure. Right. Yeah. And they actually bought it like uh, five years ago because it was Google before that. And, okay. it, and it was somebody else before that. So I think Google bought it like, um, I don't know, just say like 10 years ago. And I don't know exactly why they did, but I it, I think it had to do with like when they were doing all like the Google Earth stuff. Hmm. And then maybe their usefulness with it had run out or whatever. I don't know. But then Trimble bought it. And it's funny because I had never heard of Trimble before, but I work at a college where one of our departments is geography. And so they have like a big GIS yep. degree program within geography. Um, and I heard them talking about it. And I was like, is it the same Trimble that makes SketchUp? And they're like, yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't even know that that was like a huge company. <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, they're like they're... the main company in this in this market. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used it whenever back whenever I was a surveyor circa 2006, seven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then they've been around for a much longer time than that. So, mm-hmm. so doesn't uh, SketchUp have... So I see all these people laying out their shop because they just mm-hmm. moved or they just built this gigantic place and they have you know their rigid sander modeled and their dewalt planer modeled are right. those just like things people are downloading i assume they are 
You can, yeah. So there's like a whole, uh, it's called the 3D warehouse where anybody can model something and then upload it. So you can just go in there and search. And then people, I think other people rank them. So it's kind of like user curated in terms of like the best stuff popping up to the top. But yeah, you could go search like your model of table saw. And if somebody has modeled it, it'll show up there. You can download it and just like pop it into your file. And obviously you have to trust that what they put is true. So you'd probably want to like double check dimensions here and there, but you don't just yeah. blindly just not, <laughs> accept it. <laughs> I, think, I think my table saw is thirty feet long. Of course it is. It's like, <laughs> but you know, why? I, why does my car fit, but not my table saw? Yeah, I always, because um, I, I did that when I was first laying out my shop, and actually, I'm kind of toying with the idea of doing a, a pretty big shop redesign right now. And so the other day, I was in there like redrawing my shop as it exists right now, and. I don't really see the point of like having to make the table saw look like the table saw for those purposes. So I just draw like a box that's the dimensions of whatever it is. And I think that's good enough. That's what I do. I mean, unless you're trying to show it to somebody for some reason. Yeah, if you were, I could see where if you were making like a written article on like different shop layouts, then yeah, having those visual entities would be would be beneficial i guess just so that people don't have to be like what was the orange box again is that the table saw is that the planner you know actually seeing it could be a little quicker for people to digest but if it's just for your own purposes boxes baby so i'm looking at it now i do see both of our table saws in here the 3d warehouse yeah yeah you won't you won't find my table saw in there you never know (laughs) it's a delta right no no well one of one of my three table saws well, <laughs> three table saws from a from a hand tool guy. Okay, all right. I, when I very he first got started, confused. <laughs> well, you use your hand to turn it on. No, 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 no. All right. When I very first started, my wife was very kind enough to find a used Craftsman. Basically, it's like a job site, but it had a little base on it, yeah. and that's what I stuck with. I had that whenever I moved last year. Helped a guy move a pool table from his parents to a neighbor or something like that. They bought it. He gave me his Delta saw that he didn't have any more use for. I used that up until about two months ago or so, and the motor just crapped the bed. Was that another like like a contractor saw or like a cabinet saw? It wasn't a cabinet saw. It was kind of in between a contractor and a cabinet saw. I mean, it was definitely a lot more heavy duty. It wasn't aluminum. It was a full cast iron top with wings and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that just it just finally crapped the bed. Um, so my father in law was kind enough to give me his father's like it's like i think it's actually got like chrome plating on it like it's that old school probably from the 40s or 50s oh, craftsman wow. i mean it 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 probably would weigh as much as your grizzly or your saw stop jeez yeah it's it's a monster it's Wait, a monster. which one do you have you have the grizzly no no i don't have a grizzly no, I no, have no. me oh yeah i oh. have the the saw stop contractor so it has like oh, okay. the open base yeah it was one of my my craigslist deals that okay I yeah, so used I used to be really good at getting. <laughs> yeah, I don't have my Grizzly anymore. Now I have the saw stop cabinet saw. Oh, and then I, and I actually have one. the job site one too, but I haven't got to use it much yet. I've only just like set it up and and messed with it a little bit. I haven't got to use it on a project yet. That'd be kind of nice, just purely for the being able to cut in your driveway and out of yeah. the shop kind of thing. It's got some really cool features on it. Like, um, so I had the Dewalt job site saw before that. And, you know, you'd have to, that one, like, you know, any table saw, like, to raise the blade, you have to turn it quite a bit. But, like, the DeWalt one, you really had to, like, well, it, was, it was just, like, it was little tiny, 
Yeah, like it was. super tiny gears. The saw stop one has this feature where one rotation raises the blade full height. What? It's, yeah, I've never it's seen pretty that. crazy. It's crazy. So one full rotation, and then if you want to like do small incremental adjustments, there's like another little dial that you can use. But you know, you can get it like to 97% of what you're probably shooting for. I mean, and how often are you going for that specific of a height unless you're doing like a dado cut or something? But if you're doing a through cut, you don't even need to use the micro adjustment at all. So that's pretty cool. Um, like, so the job site saw that I had for the DeWalt was the same where, you know, it's got the stand built in and you just kind of tip it on the side, pull the legs up, lift it up onto the two legs, pull the other legs out. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. But this one's got a thing where you basically wheel it out to where you want it, stick your foot on this lever and just like lean back and pull it and the whole base just like comes out. So it's just like these little nice touches that you're like, oh wow, like they really thought about the engineering a lot that went into this thing. And it makes sense. I mean, it's like triple the price of the <laughs> the wall one. So you better be getting something for that that's, money. That's yeah, true. but it's, yeah, for sure. it's nice to see that they actually did put like, they weren't just like, oh, it's got the safety feature and that's it. Other than that, it's exactly the same as every other saw. It's like, no, they actually went a little bit above and beyond it and did work in these extra little nice touches. Yeah, I think hmm. they could have gone the lazy way and just mm -hmm. been like, oh, yep, same technology. Here you go. Mm -hmm. But yep. I've I've definitely had good luck with mine. But then again, it was also used and I didn't pay full price, so that was even better. Can't beat that. I I think I think we just I just thought of another uh another challenge for you. Bad Larry using uh -huh. only the contractor saw. You know what? I've had so I get a lot of questions about that. People want to do it, and I always say that you definitely can do it. The only part that would get just a little bit tricky is so if if you remember that um, little like carriage that I made that rides on the fence to do the vertical cutting to make mm -hmm. the yeah. yeah the bevels that are greater than forty five degrees. That would be the only part that would get a little hairy, just because you know the fences on the job site saws are usually a little bit smaller. But I think you could still do it. Like I really think as long as you like built that carriage tight enough where to where it didn't have a ton of play in it, you'd be okay. Well, at least you know you're not going to cut off a finger, you That's know, true. trying to attempt it. So, worst case scenario, you you botch the project, but your hands are still intact. Your hands are still intact, and you got to buy a new cartridge. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's much better than the alternative. Have you set yours off ever? No, thank God. And I well, <laughs> I haven't, but I've had somebody do it, and I've only had mine for like three months. You had somebody and, else do it on yeah, purpose so, or by an accident? On accident. Uh, yeah, when I was collaborating with Mike from Industrial Maker, he was out here a couple, like a month ago, and he was making some angled cuts, so he was using a, an incrementer gauge, which is made out of aluminum. Um, uh. Yeah. And so I'm, he's in the, in the garage doing it. I'm like probably 30 feet away across the driveway working on something else, and I just hear, Koo! and so I look, and I see him just kind of like looking confused, like, what happened? Like he wasn't really uh, like scared or anything. He's just kind of like confused of what's going on, and he's like, "I didn't touch it." <laughs> like what's going on? And but so what he did was he was making an angled cut, and then he moved the miter gauge into the other slot, and it was hanging over, and it made contact with it. Mm. Um, and you know, I've actually cut into my miter gauge probably I don't know three times or something when I had my grizzly because I wasn't thinking about it and did like the same kind of move, but. 
it doesn't really matter when it's that one, but I've always, even when I use the miter gauge, like it just makes me extra aware of the blade with the saw stop. Cause I'm no like, Oh, if I do this, that's like a $200 mistake. Mm, uh, yeah. It, <laughs> it can definitely add up. Yeah. It's like 60 bucks for the cartridge, I think. And then I was using the forest woodworker twos, which are like 120 Ooh. bucks. And yeah, it, it ruins the blade very quickly, but it makes for a nice souvenir. I got it sitting out in the shop and I will eventually do something with the, the blade that's embedded in the brake. There you go. Hmm. And it's nice to know that it works too. That so maybe that's what we need to do is just set it off on accident. Well, yeah, do it on purpose with something, just yeah. to make sure it's actually working. <laughs> and and honestly, you know, what? if you look at the nick that it put into the uh, into the miter gauge, like it's barely anything. Like, it probably would have bled, but, like, definitely not even needed a Band-Aid, I don't think. Like, it would have been like, oh, wash it off, put pressure on it for 20 seconds, you're good. Aluminum <laughs> bleeding? That'd be... Yeah. That'd be, it's like you cut your anchor mito gauge and it just starts leaking aluminum. <laughs> uh, that would be something. Oh, man. So, so now that we got off track on the yeah. whole 3D warehouse, the... So, SketchUp has, obviously, these those models that you can pull in mm-hmm. and i know that there are resources out there for other cad programs mm-hmm. uh so like GrabCAD comes to mind where people probably have done similar stuff mm-hmm. but one thing i noticed is that if i make something in fusion i cannot open it i cannot put it in a file format that will open in sketchup or vice mm. versa so I don't know if that ever becomes an issue with people, but are most other CAD programs more open source though? So yes and no. So whatever they primarily use, so every company has their patented or you yeah. know trademarked dot whatever extension. Yeah, like a camera has like their own raw files. Yeah, so. You can save it. There's these things called neutral file types. Okay. And there's ones that are IGES files and step files. And there's there's some others, but those are two of the most primary ones, I would say. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can model it and you can save it as one of those two file types. And then you can open it. So if I modeled it and saved it, um, I could then go open it in like SolidWorks or like Autodesk Inventor and all these other ones. Right. If I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. It, you've looked and seen that the pro version also does not. I don't have the pro version because okay. I think the pro version of SketchUp is like, I think I looked 600 it up. 600 bucks or something? Yeah, it's like six or 700. It says $700 here. So. Yeah, I think it was like 695 maybe. Yeah, I think they have different models that are like, you know, you get like a certain amount of like updates packaged in with whatever you buy. So I think there's yeah. different versions of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though if so. The pro version might auto do it, but even if it doesn't, uh, so like going back to the point about the um, 3D warehouse where there's a big community buildup. There's a lot of people that make plugins that anybody can use uh. that are either free or paid plugins. So there's probably something out there somebody would have to look that would be a plugin for SketchUp that would let you save in different file types that might be like more open source things. Yeah, I didn't think about the the plugin part. I love children. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. 
I'm just lucky mine aren't awake. <laughs> okay. Well, mine is, is up, man. He's he's Minecrafting. Mine's sleeping over next to the window. Uh, both my kids are in bed, so. Well, mine's in bed. She's yours just is, sleeping well, under the window. Well, yours she's has, just got four legs. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> so I was going to say, is it a cat? No. Oh, wait, no, I got yours three cats. And three cats and one dog. Now, mine's drinking out of the toilet. Mine is at my sister-in-law's house, so. What's well, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Until we move in. Then they'll come over here and start yeah. peeing on things, probably. So, anyway. <laughs> All right, so... So but so back to the back to the file extension thing and the you know trying to con, trying to get SketchUp into Fusion or Fusion into SketchUp like if you have one or the other, the thing that I had an issue with a while back because this was prior to me having having my laptop you know so we're only going back like six or seven months, I haven't had this laptop very long. Um, I had an issue with you know occasionally you know content creators will put out free free drawings and most of the time they are through SketchUp I think. I mean, are you, I can't remember if all your drawings are free or not. Are they free, Chris? Uh, I do. So I, all my Patreon members, I send out the SketchUp for every project that I okay. post. Okay. But you only send yeah, out they're SketchUp the, files. Yeah, you send out the actual model, not like a yes. drawing made from your model. Right. Okay. okay. Working on that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it was ZH Fabrications. I believe it was ZH. Back whenever I was looking at different plans for benches, he uh-huh. had made a kind of like mix of metal and wood which is i mean that's that's his total wheelhouse right there but yeah. he had put it out in sketchup with you know the full plans and it had you know cut lists and everything like that i downloaded it and then realized crap i, I can't do anything with this because i don't have sketchup and i couldn't find a sketchup viewer or some way of mm-hmm. basically just taking sketchup putting it in a pdf and just printing it out that's what i that's what i wanted and i don't right. know if that you know, if that's something that's available now or, you know, what's I, going on with that. I know that there is an actual app that's called SketchUp Viewer. I've never used it because I think it might be more suited for kind of what you're talking about. Somebody that, like, doesn't want to use SketchUp but just wants to be able to look at a file. Yep. So it would be dependent on the person who made it, like, setting up what you can view to get what you wanted to print from it. But then again, I don't even know, like, can you export a PDF or whatever? Would you have to just do screenshots? Um, I mean, something that like, you know, if I wanted to just go as simple as possible where I wanted somebody to be able to get this information without doing it, like I could just set up scenes or something in SketchUp where each dimension, I would just set up a different scene. You'd click on a tab at the top. It would position the camera, you know, like say just like a front um, two-dimensional drawing or like an elevation type drawing. I could have the dimensions put in there. But then like if you want to actually go in and explore the model, I guess it is kind of dependent on the the user has like a little bit of knowledge to be able to navigate the space and all that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause that was, that was one thing that was kind of, you know, upsetting is like, sweet, I got this really nice drawing and I got it for free because, you know, somebody was like, you know, somebody was fortunate enough to put it out for free, mm-hmm. but I can't but do anything can't with use it. it. Nope. Nope. And, yeah. and I know, I know some creators out there are, are realizing that not everyone has SketchUp or not everyone has access to, to CAD. So they're putting out, you know, various different, you know, DWG or I don't know what the extension is for a SketchUp file or, mm-hmm. or PDF. To me, PDF is the easiest thing because luckily yeah, it's at, at my universal. office, yeah, at my office, we have this really fancy PDF software that I use to do a lot of editing and things like that. So I use it all the time. So if I had a PDF file, I could 
just like knock it out like no time and be able to make something from it so the the biggest thing here i think is the the cost that drives people away from certain types of software so obviously mm-hmm. sketchup is free yeah fusion when i downloaded it it was free and i think there was some kind of trick to that like i had to download the trial and then once I had the trial downloaded, then the free option came up. If you made under, I think it's like a hundred grand a year as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's assume that they're both free to some extent. And right. then the paid option, you know, SketchUp we talked about is $695. I think that's one time. Yeah. And then Fusion is more of the subscription based where it's like $40 a month and okay. 310 for the year. Okay. So I think pure cost-wise, if you go to a paid version, if you can learn SketchUp, I would go SketchUp, just purely based on cost. Yeah, and I would think that anybody who's getting to the point where they're using a paid version, it might even be one of those things where, like, even though... So if you're looking at it from the perspective of, like, oh, I'm thinking about learning this thing, $400 or $310 a year sounds like a lot of money to want to just like learn something. But I feel like by the time you get to that point where you're really like needing to buy it, you got a big business going where that's like such a helpful tool that you use that you're like, I will gladly pay double whatever they're asking me to pay because this is so useful to me. I would agree. And even then, so, I mean, we're saying $310 for the year for, for fusion, which in my mind is not far off from like SolidWorks, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, five thousand dollars plus a year you mean it's not far off in terms of like capabilities capabilities yeah and i mean you have the software i used when i started was was katia Mm -hmm. and minimum katia is like i think 20 grand a year Mm -hmm. and you can get licenses with all the add-ons it goes all the way up to like a million dollars a year oh wow so 310 and (laughs) And the <laughs> grand scheme of things is it's a bargain. cheap. <laughs> I think it definitely depends on what you're used to seeing cost-wise. Now, if you're used yeah, to seeing free. They, they are actually kind of funny prices when you think about it like that because it's like almost any amount is too much for a hobbyist. Like, you know, if you're a hobbyist, you're just like, I want to do this for free. But as soon as you get into like, oh, this is my business that I'm running – then $310 sounds really low, but, um, so that's where you start like understanding like, oh yeah, $20,000 or like, you know, we're paying a hundred thousand dollars, but we have an unlimited number of licenses or whatever, 50 license that this whole firm is using, whatever. Uh, but that 310 price, it actually makes me think like it, it kind of shows you like the growth of like the kind of hobbyist with a side hustle market. I think that like that's where you see that as like a price point that it fits in. So if anything, that's like an indication of how big that space has become or that like how many people are running a business model that is that where it's like, oh, I'm making like, you know, an extra $15,000 a year producing these things for people. So if I have to pay $310 for this tool that makes my life easier, cool. That's a good investment. Yeah, well, I mean, a few years ago. Oh, sorry, Stephen, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, $310 a year is, you know, seems seems a lot right out of the gate because, I mean, most people wouldn't pay $310, like, right out of the gate for a tool. 
unless you have a, an obsession with Festool. Uh, <laughs> oh, you'll pay a lot more. Than yeah, it's more three hundred dollars. Like... <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, like a sander. It's like I, I bought a hose. You know, I bought a hose. So three, oh, there's yeah. three hundred dollars uh, right there. I bought, I bought yeah. one hose. Clamp. Um, <laughs> I clamp. I got, I got a clamp. <laughs> but it, I mean, you have to think about it as like you know, as a friend of mine says, it's it's literally the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. So forty dollars a month. Say you make one item in an entire month. Roll that forty dollars into that you know that one item. You know I don't think unless unless your margins are that thin, I don't think your clients are going to balk at an extra forty dollars. Especially right. if especially if you're going to design something that's going to be you know six or eight hundred dollars worth of materials alone. You know forty bucks is dropping the bucket. Right. No, actually to to go back to your point about Festool, like. You know, you'll get, I'll get people asking me the question, like, you know, is that worth the money? Like, why is, why does a Festool miter saw cost $1,400 and a Makita one costs $500? Like, is it three times as good? And I say like, no, it's not three times as good. So if you're a, you know, weekend warrior, you go out there, you cut some stuff every once in a while and it doesn't make sense. Like that extra thousand dollars is not money well spent to you. But if you're a Finnish carpenter who does crown molding 20 hours a week of just crown molding and it just helps you produce it like a little bit quicker and a little bit more accurately, then it's like, okay, hey, that $1,000 is going to add up and actually like I will make money off of having this tool because it helps me work better and quicker. And then not having to clean up dust because dust collection is one of its like prime Yeah, it's actually got a good dust collection. Yeah. I've never gotten good dust collection yeah, off of yeah. my miter saw. I, I haven't either. I've, I, yeah, even even with like a full cyclone and a, like a decent sized shop vac hooked up to mine, it still, I mean, it goes most of everywhere. It does pick up a decent amount, but I mean, yeah. it, it really depends on what the heck you're cutting. Yeah. But, yeah. So. I, I feel like I've just made peace with the fact that I'm never going to collect that dust that well because like I built... A little like surround to kind of go behind it and catch the dust from flying everywhere. Then I hooked up my Festool dust extractor to the the port in the back of the miter saw, and then I also basically just like made a little, just kind of like rigged up a little right angle where I could clamp the four-inch hose from my main dust collector to catch what's coming off of the blade as best as I could, and like. I'd say I get 80% of the dust, but that's still a lot of dust that kind of just gets thrown everywhere. And with the, going back to like the $310 a year and how Mm -hmm. you can kind of, you know, incorporate it into your price. The other thing you can do with that is you're already making the plans for yourself to follow. So not only, you know, adding 40 bucks or whatever to the client's price, they probably wouldn't care. But then if you gave them the whole package, if it was mm-hmm. drawings, and said, right. here's everything I used to make it, and then also use it as like a plan setup where you can sell them as plans, I think is another way you can kind of offset that $310 a year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think there's ways around doing it that you can essentially, you know, in your mind still kind of say it's free in a way. Right, or it's, yeah, it's paying for itself. Yeah. When you went to learn SketchUp, did you just use YouTube or kind of just play yeah? Around? Uh, let's see. I think I initially just kind of played around with it, and there was a form that I used to go on to. I want to say it was something like 
sketchucation or so. It was some kind of like portmanteau that had sketch up and education as one word. I can't remember what it was, but I think I would go there a lot. It was basically just like a form. So, you know, you would search it and people would have asked the question that you're wondering. Um, I don't remember if there was a lot of YouTube at the time that, cause this was like 2008 probably when I was first kind of tooling around with it. Um, there probably was some stuff that I, I must've learned, or maybe I found like a written article that I learned just to get the basics of it. But there are definitely way more resources out there now. You know, you can do like courses on lynda.com or, or on, a, you know, there's all sorts of resources now. There's, I think there's people who have like YouTube business models that are based off of it. Well, and there's another one called uh, Solid Professor. Mm-hmm. So they do like CAD tutorials for pretty much every CAD software. I think that's okay. out there. Oh, nice. So, because I did a lot of stuff for them for Katia like two years ago. When you learned uh, Fusion, what did you use? Or did you kind of like have a solid enough background in CAD work that you had like a pretty good advantage going in? So I've used Katia for like 10 years through school and then in my first job. Mm-hmm. And then so I've had like over 10,000 hours of CAD experience. Right. So when I went to Fusion, it was kind of just a dumbed down version of Katia because Katia is kind of like the Cadillac of 3D software Okay. so I kind of just went in there and messed around and kind of figured it out within I don't know 20 minutes okay so it was it was the type of thing where a lot of the same skills translated over and I think it's one of those things where I think if you start at the the high end of a software so if you started Mm -hmm. on like you know adobe illustrator if you're a graphic designer uh, right and you went to like inkscape which is free right. you kind of already know what you're looking for and you kind of already know what it's called and you just need to figure out what it's called in that new software right yeah, yeah, yeah. so just, it's like... a way less steep learning curve going i think down the ladder than it is trying to go up the ladder right and actually one other thing that you just i just thought of while we were talking about this subject is I know, so I got fusion for free through my work, which is at a college campus. So they have like licenses with everything. Um, but I pretty sure anybody can at least get like a pretty long trial version. I think any student can get a really long trial version of it, but I think anybody can also do that. And I know Adobe's actually really good. Like they'll send you updates that are like, you know, automated time response things, I'm sure. But it's like, how are you doing with Fusion? Like, have you learned how to do this? And it'll send out like tutorials to you to like, kind of like prompt you to use it and maybe go through some of these tutorials first. So they're actually like pretty proactive with um, trying to teach people how to use it. Well, and with the different CAD software, I mean, if people have questions, I mean, that's essentially what we're trying to be here for too is, if people have questions about SketchUp, honestly, I'll probably just say, I don't know. Let me ask Chris. Uh, <laughs> just use Fusion. Yeah, just, just use Fusion. And <laughs> okay, here's what you do. You go to your applications folder, uninstall. Yes. Yeah. Reinstall something else. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, I mean, getting, getting used to CAD, I'm sure I had 
hundreds of questions all the time. Yeah. It's just not... I can understand how people are kind of intimidated because it's Mm -hmm. not technically super intuitive, especially if you're coming from purely a pen and paper. So if you've never had any design experience with a computer, like Illustrator or Inkscape or anything, period, that it can be Mm -hmm. kind of daunting. Yeah. So it's... I guess the biggest thing is that it's not a daunting thing as long as you can dedicate a little bit of time to doing it and i think downloading something from the warehouse that you were talking about and kind of seeing and navigating with it and just looking at it you can kind of start to figure out pieces of how it goes together yeah i mean i think the way that i learned and and if i just had to give somebody like a couple quick tips for like what you can do to to get cracking it'd be you know first just download it open up a model of something else, learn how to navigate the space. That's going to get you pretty far along. Learn the basic tools, what they do. The one I tell people, make components out of things. That's a really big step that people seem to miss initially. initially. Um, And then once you've got like, okay, I'm comfortable navigating the space. I know how to like draw a rectangle and give it different dimensions look at a piece of furniture that's like in your house and just like try to recreate it. That's how I started. I would just like look at different things that were around. And that was also helpful to me because I didn't know anything about furniture at the time. So this was when I was just getting interested in it. So I was like learning how to build something in SketchUp, kind of understanding different things about design and also starting to understand different things about joinery and the way that things come together. But if you can model something that exists in real life, that... You, it's nice because you can see where you're going wrong kind of in real time. Like, oh, how do I make this thing connect over here? And it's nice because there's parallels to what you will end up doing. So I think that's a, a really good way for people to start is just kind of like imitating things that they see in real life and then slowly, you know, translating over to just building new things that don't actually exist yet. And I've found that the the whole modeling it ahead of time instead of just going out to my garage and mm-hmm. trying to cut from a piece of paper yep. is that I can troubleshoot problems before they happen and before I waste material because oh, I've yeah. gone out there and I've in the past cut something and was like oh crap that's too short yeah and, but in when I did it in the model you know in a different project I figured out oh yeah that I need to redo that or I shouldn't extend this to here. I should stop it here or I should, you know, this should be angled instead of a 90 degree or whatever it might be. Yeah. So it's kind of like a proof of concept, uh, troubleshooting tool in a way. It's, it's that it'll save you that time. And it is almost like, I always say like virtually woodworking in a lot of ways. So like by the time you go out there and you work on a project, you've kind of built it already. And now it's just like doing those things that you already know what you're supposed to do, but just like actually having the dexterity to, to do them in real life. So um, even obviously what you're saying is the most, op, uh, not the, most op, the most common issue that you're going to run into. We're just like understanding different angles that you're going to need to use, what material you're going to use, you know, making sure that you're not making these mistakes. But there's a lot of times where I'll kind of build it in SketchUp 
like how I would want to build it in real life. And I'll come to a spot and be like, how would I make this cut even? I don't even know. And like, all, there's been times where I've actually like modeled a rudimentary kind of table saw and like what jig I might need to make in order to make this cut. Um, and doing it in there, like I can accomplish in like 20 minutes in SketchUp what would take me three hours to actually go build a jig and work through stuff. So it actually like can really speed you up too. And you can be doing it at like, you know, two in the morning or whatever when you couldn't be out there using a power tool. So well, and if you, SketchUp's nice and quiet. If you're uh, if you're living in, you know, California where it's 105. Yeah. And, or Vegas where it's 110. Then yeah. <laughs> I found that the more or the more I'm, you know, stuck inside because of the heat because just going outside is not a good idea during the day is I spend a lot more time on the design side. Yeah. So I've learned a lot both in, you know, Illustrator, Fusion, and SketchUp mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, using my lunch break at work even, I'll take that hour and play on my computer instead of just, you know, watching YouTube or something. Yeah. So, so it, it's actually... I mean, it's actually one of the tips I give to people a lot because they'll ask me like, hey, I want to get into woodworking, but I live in an apartment and I'm a college student and I can't afford any tools. What should I do? And I mean, I guess more generally, I could just say get some sort of CAD software and start messing around with it. I always say SketchUp because that's just the one that I use. Of course. But yeah, I mean, doing that, you can <laughs> you can learn a lot about like woodworking and design and the way that things come together. You can you'd be amazed at how much you can actually learn without having cut a piece of wood. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess speaking from like more the hand tool side, I mean, a lot of hand tool woodworking is just joinery. It's just how to put two pieces together. Um, so, I mean, looking at joinery as, as someone who, I mean, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly into it. I mean, just looking at pictures of joinery and going, how did they do this? How did they even think about doing this? How am I going to do this? Going through and walking through those steps is is like is the best way to even begin a project because out in the shop it's very easy to mess up joinery really yes. quickly. Even with a hand tool, you can mess it up real quick. Um, so if you walk yeah, yourself when, through it, do what? I was gonna say, especially when you have things that are like you know mirrored versions of one another. Like, have you done that where you've cut the same part twice and you needed two separate ones? You're like, God dang it! Yeah, I mean, I had. <laughs> I had that issue had that issue earlier this week where I laid out all my joinery uh, for for mortise and through for through mortise and tenon only to realize that because my stock wasn't the same wasn't the same thickness as mm-hmm. what had initially been laid out and I didn't think about I was like I knew I bought this stock for some reason I don't have through mortise and tenon anymore I just have mortise and tenon. <laughs> So I had laid out, luckily I hadn't made but one cut and then uh-huh. looked, I was like, this is never going to line up. Yeah. So just doing simple, just doing simple joiner and layout can, can tell you you're going to make a mistake real easy. Yeah. So what, I mean, you already kind of gave advice on how to get started, mm-hmm. but what's one piece of advice that you would give people about 3D CAD minus, you know, use SketchUp? <laughs> um... I mean, I guess I would say that kind of something that I already touched on, but just that if you're coming, if you're approaching it from the perspective of you've never done this before, completely foreign to you, probably any system is going to just look a little intimidating at first. 
because it's just going to be like a bunch of buttons that you're like, I don't know. I don't know what any of this does. But if you realize going in that like 80% of what you see, you're probably not even going to need to use. It's just going to be a few little things. If you could go in there and only see the things that you're going to use, it would actually look a lot less intimidating. I'll put it that way. So just like give yourself, just say, okay, I'm going to give myself four hours of like where I'm really going to just like see what I can figure out in four hours. And you'll probably get to a point where you'll get the confidence to know that it's not as hard or as intimidating as it looks initially. And if you can push through that initial wall of learning, then I think that you'll be on a good path for making all sorts of progress. And that's a good point is just kind of spend that time. Yeah. And while you're doing that, if I would say if you have like a question, kind of write it down, but don't stop what you're doing. Yeah. So like if you can't figure out something, I would write it down and then try to figure out something new real fast and then mm-hmm. come back and revisit and spend time, you know, searching forums because sometimes when you look at forums, they'll answer like four or five questions at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if you stopped at that first question and dug into it and then you keep going back and forth, I think, mm-hmm. which I've wasted some time doing that. Right. But I think they're all their own, their own learning curve. They all have mm-hmm. a learning curve. Sure. It's just a matter of how you choose to handle that. <laughs> yeah. But it's been great talking with you about this because I know a lot of people yeah. either want to use it or do use it. Um, and then a lot of people get intimidated by it. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be able to cover more in the future about how kind of we might work on a thought process of how to go through something like a project. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is a good intro to people to kind of get them introduced and try to alleviate some of that intimidation. For sure. So, Stephen, any last questions from you? I mean, I guess for, you know, ease of use and, and things like, or not ease of use, but kind of easing your way into it, um, one of the projects that I think may be the easiest to model or easiest to get started to, to look at things like perspective and proportions is a three-legged stool. Very, very simple design, very simple design, very stable design, but it can tell you a lot about proportions and things like that, thicknesses and stuff. Because it's, you know, it's three, three sticks, basically, and a round circle on top. Or shoot, it could even be just a square on top. But, you know, it's, you can make the, you can make the legs with various angles. You can make the top different thicknesses, different sizes. But it'll, it'll give you an idea of what looks right. Because, I mean, everybody, hopefully everybody's seen a bar stool or, or seen a stool in their house, in their kitchen, something like that. So it's a, to me, I think it's one of the simplest projects to, to try to sketch up without actually, you know, using SketchUp, I guess I should say, um, to give you an idea of how proportions and, and, and line drawing work. Yeah. 3D stools, the uh, design equivalent of the hello world for coding. programming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thanks again for your time. I know you're, you're a busy guy. I can hear your kids in the background. <laughs> yeah. Now, now everybody's waking up. Uh, I understand. My kids Uh-oh. are awake too. 
So thanks again for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you no so problem, much, man. Chris. It's, it's great to finally meet you and uh, glad to have you on. Yeah, it's fun chatting. Hopefully we'll be able awesome. to have you on again awesome. in the future. Sure. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go play with your kids. All right, you guys too. Not right, with my take kids. Take it easy. But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Later. Take it easy. But Thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com where we'll post valuable resources, tips, and info about anything we've talked, into, talked about in today's shows or past shows. And all these things are to help your maker vision become a maker reality. If you have any questions or suggestions or any comments about what you heard today or, once again, in previous episodes, feel free to drop us a line at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at makervisionpodcast, or through mine and Trevor's personal Instagram accounts, and that is Old South Woodcraft or Maker Experiment. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and uh, and just some really nice words to, to let us know how good we're doing. Or if you didn't like it, let us know what you didn't like about it. Either way, we're happy to hear from you. And you can go and do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we really look forward to hearing hearing from you next week. 